As we're pushing through the summer months and returning to the fall, many secondary and post-secondary dropouts are starting to question whether they should consider returning. How can you best show up to help them along their journey? That's up next. Let's go. Hey you, pull up a seat. Welcome back to From Surviving to Thriving for Parents. This is episode 39. I am Raymond Brossier, and if you are a parent or soon-to-be parent who wants to give their kids the best start in life that you can give them, by being the best parent you can be, you're in the right place. This show is all about you, because we're about transformation, support, and taking unwavering action so that you can be the parent you always needed and be the parent that they need you to be. In today's episode, we continue our conversation series and talk with Lynn Tietro about something that hits close to home with me, helping those who have dropped out of school, whether it's secondary or post-secondary, and want to return. For those of you who know my story, my first go-around in college was going really well, and with only a year and a half left to go, I would end up dropping out due to my mother's health so that I could take over her cleaning business. What I didn't know at the time would be just how far this decision would change the path of my life. But I do know that I wish I had someone like Lynn when I eventually decided to go back to school. As parents, I believe supporting your kids with whatever decisions they make is essential. And I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in synchronicities. And as we talked during Podapalooza, Lynn and I shared more than one commonality that shows you that the right people come to your life at the right time and the right place. And there were a couple minor issues with the audio as we got cut off mid-conversation at one point, so I want to apologize in advance. But for the most part, it shouldn't impact the quality of this episode. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's jump in. Today's guest's journey has a lot of similarities as my own. Her journey began long before she achieved her Bachelor of Science degree at 30 years old. This helped her not only open her eyes to her struggles with anxiety, but also the struggles with students not getting the support that they need, the help that they need, to not only stay in school, but to be successful. Her goal is to help students to learn to understand and accept themselves as the brilliant, gifted, and unique people that they are, and that they can become. So welcome to the show, Lynn. I'm grateful to have you here with us today, because your message and your topic really hits close home with me. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, right? A lot of your journey resonates with me, because a lot of your struggles, it seems kind of like we've been down that same road. So for everyone listening, I would love for you to be able to share your journey with us. I was raised on a farm. I was raised to be a farmer's wife, had my first child two years later, had my second child two years after that. And I was not a happy camper. And I think my real wake up call came after my brother had a diving accident and broke his neck. And it's just like, oh my God, you know, life 
doesn't always go the way you plan it. And if you if if I can't make myself happy now, what's the rest of my life going to be like? What regrets will I have? So I waited a couple more years because we were very supportive of my brother. We made a pact that every time, you know, he would not go a day alone without family with him. And so one of us would take the hour and a half drive to Sunnybrook Hospital from our community and, and spend the day with him. So I committed myself to that. And when my brother got moved to Lindsay, then I was sort of freed up. So I went back to high school at the tender age of 30, back into with the students and upgraded and completed my grade 13 because technically I didn't recognize it then, but I was a high school dropout and I really wanted to apply to university. So I applied as a high school graduate rather than as a mature student. And it was one of the best things I did for myself. So yeah, I, I went to Trent University. I had two kids. I was a single parent and completed my undergrad degree in two years. And I was pregnant with my third child. That was one of the best things I did for myself too and for my kids. And I didn't plan to do it in that time. It's just like, well, I'm on this roll with school. I might as well take summer courses. And so when I got to the end of the second year, it's just like, well, I've only got two more courses to go. I might as well just finish this. And that fall when I graduated, I also, um, my grand, not only had my baby, but my grandmother passed away. She took a stroke on the day my son was born. So just, I grabbed opportunities as they came up to me when somebody that I hadn't considered, but I thought I could do it and it would be helpful. I said, yes. So that's one of the things I can tell people is if opportunity presents itself, don't overthink it. If it's going to be helpful to you, say yes. So I went into the social service field after, and, and luckily when I started, the place I was hired at would allow me to take my son to work with me. And I was working with children anyway. So that was an, another amazing opportunity. So yeah, I have worked in the social service field for most of my life. I worked in, in frontline services with, with women in, in, who were victims of abuse. I worked in an outreach center as a, as a child support worker. I worked I spent seven months in prison. So I've had a very, very career and uh, recently retired. And my mom passed away last August. And it's just like, looks like I'm going to get to live till I'm maybe 88. And so like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I like being busy. I love learning. I have a passion for learning. I know that's crazy for a lot of people, but that's something I do. So it's like, okay. One of the things that's always niggled with me is knowing that when I started to school at university, 30% of the students dropped out in their first year. And that, it's like, I know how hard it is to get. I know how committed people are to do that. So why is this, this dropout rate? So I did some research on that and decided, no, I'm, I'm going to help students determine when it's good for them to go to school, how they need to go to school, because sometimes... Going right out of high school isn't the best idea. Sometimes what our parents plan for us is not the best idea. Sometimes university isn't the best idea. Some people are more suited to working with their hands. So I want them to find where their super genius is, where they are superheroes in their own lives. The fact that 30% of students drop out in their first year just gobsmacked me. It's like, I know how hard it is to get in and I hope, knew how long it took me for me to, to take that step. So that's a huge step and to, to fail out or drop out, just it overwhelmed me. And last August, my mom passed away and I thought, oh, I've, I guess I'm going to live till, till I'm about 88 because we've got a history of people dying young in my family. 
So I said, I've got 22 years to do something with my life. And this is what I want to do. I want to help reduce the number of dropouts. I know it's 35% now in Canada, 40% in the US. So I did my research, knew the area that I could help in. And the area that I can help in is helping students engage. To When a teacher asks them a question, they can feel confident saying, I know that, I don't know that, but here's my opinion. Or to ask questions, you know, I don't understand this. Raise their hands and say, I don't understand this. To approach professors and and self-advocate for themselves. A lot of students don't know how to do that. So that's the area that I know I can help with. But I've accumulated a list of people that can help in other ways. People who can do assessments to find out where what their their mode of operating in the world is, how they find out information, how they act on that information. I can help them find their personality freely. I can help them with financial issues. I or refer them to people who who can do that. So yeah, my research is solid, and I keep learning all the time. And and learning is crazy. It's my passion, but I like to do it. So this is what I've been doing. It's important work and learning is something that should never end. We should always be learning because learning is part of growth. And it's funny how it's such a small world, you know, my journey itself, I dropped out of college after my first two years, Mm -hmm. after leaving high school to go directly to college. And I went back when I was 25 in order to be able to try and make something in my life. And then it nearly got side railed by a SWAT team busting down the wrong apartment door. <laughs> but I still I still managed to push through. But the reason why this is really such a small world is that when you talk about your journey and your education, I don't know if you can see that in the background. Uh-huh. It's oh my, my Trent god. University. It's <laughs> tr- oh my god. Yay. Small world. And yes. Oh my goodness. So it definitely seems like, you know, our journeys have been in some some ways aligned in the sense that Very we, we've gone through similar, <laughs> similar roads. So. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. And what did you study? Environmental science and studies. Oh, when did you just, fi- when did you finish? 2013 was my official graduation year. And my journey, you know, I never ended up going through the environmental field because I became a stay-at-home father to help my wife go through her own journey of, you know, going back to school mm-hmm. and looking after her kid. But I found that, you know, the more I looked and reflected on things, because I used to I used to travel from Peterborough to Markham every day mm-hmm. for work, which is, you know, depending on traffic, it's about two, two plus hours. So it was a really rough time, but I was able to really identify that, you know, in the environment, a lot of what happens out there in the real world happens within us. And you talked about how kids and students, you know, they don't really know how to self-advocate. Why do you think that is? Why do you think students are having a hard time to be able to put their hand up when they say that, you know, they may need that help, that extra support, but they're not willing to get it? I think a lot of students are ingrained that, you know, this is, this is your responsibility. This is your work and think that asking for help is cheating or, you know, if I need help, I'm not any good at this or they have anxiety. There's lots of reasons why they, they choose not to put their hand up, but it's, it's a lot of it is false information, but it's information that they've taken too literally and maybe is given too literally. And if parents haven't gone to post-secondary school themselves, they have no idea how to help their kids. I mean, the big thing is thinking that high school is just like 
college or you know, college or universities just like high school. And I, and I went back to high school at the age of 30 to do this and got called to the principal's room because I was wearing shorts to school on a nice hot summer day. And the thing is, that was the time when walking shorts were popular as business wear. So I was wearing knee-length shorts called walking shorts with stockings in the wintertime. Nobody said a thing. But then I got hauled into high into the principal's office in high school wearing shorts. They were the same length. I even checked it when I got home. And it's like, no, you're inappropriately dressed. You need to leave the school. So I, I went home, got changed, put on a sundress that, yes, came well past my knees. But it had spaghetti straps. It was backless. And I wore no bra on it under it. And nobody said a thing. So it's just like, yeah. Being told what to do when you're old enough to take responsibility for yourself. And even if that was a student saying, no, I'm, I'm entitled to wear what, I'm, what I want to school. I'm not inappropriately dressed. You know, there's nothing, nothing personal hanging out. You know, get off your high horse and let me go back to class. So you're not encouraged to do that. It's just like, you know, do as you're told. And at home, students get told when to do their homework and when to go to bed. And so there's all these rules and they're not supposed to question them. So if you can't self-advocate at home and you can't self-advocate at school, why would you all of a sudden become a self-advocate when you go on, when you're on your own? It makes no sense. So that's something that's important for parents and, and educators in Lord to, to encourage kids to, to ask for help to encourage kids to ask questions, to encourage kids to, to have a voice. And that's why I call my business My Voice Counts too, is because we need to encourage our kids to speak up for themselves from the time they're little. Don't have to agree with them, but be, you know, the, well, because I said so thing doesn't, doesn't fly with me. Never did that with my kids. And that's one thing I'm grateful for is just like, no, I've got to have a rational explanation as to why this is important. I can't just pull the parent card all the time. Understandable. And I totally agree that uh, because I said so is one of those things that really doesn't hold water in any sort of parent and child relationship does no one any good. And I believe that a lot of the struggles that you know parents have, and unfortunately, I do believe that students get this problem is, is because what defines us will define them. So if there's a lot of the struggles that you and I, we've experienced from our parents or from our journey. Mm -hmm. that really define us and pin us down, we will pass those on to our kids if we don't pay close attention and overcome and be able to grow beyond those. So what are steps as parents in order to be able to help students that we can take personally to help ourselves you know, overcome these struggles so that we can best support our kid? For instance, you mentioned anxiety um, and that you struggled with anxiety at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, myself, I struggled with anxiety for decades of my life. What are some of the things that you were able to implement within your life to be able to help you overcome those struggles that would help your children. So that way they don't get plagued by them. I overcame anxiety when I joined an organization called Toastmasters. And I did that after I left my second husband, he'd known about it for years. And, and uh, so I left him and joined Toastmasters and the relationship with Toastmasters lasted longer than any of my marriages. But one of the things that I learned is to, have conversations with people and to to speak up for myself and it was yeah because I couldn't I couldn't even stand and say my name in a meeting when I was working so to do that in high school 
was not working. So having table conversations, somebody that I admire very much, Robbie Samuel said, at his table every night, they have a, a rose discussion. You give something that happened good, which is the rose. You had something that happened bad, which is the, the thorn. And something that was just kind of interesting, which is the stem. So you, you, everybody shares that around the table. And I know when I grew up, the conversation was was mom and dad, and don't interrupt us. We're having important conversations. Whereas mealtime is important, and with varied work situations and everything, it's difficult to have those sit down meals. But make them celebrations of family. Make them celebrations of daily successes. Make them celebrations of of love and enjoy breaking bread together and taking time to do it. Not have the television on. Put the phones away. Be present in this time because it is so important to find out how your kids' lives are going. This is when you find out the nitty gritty. And if you do it every day, they know to prepare for this, you know, and know to celebrate the successes and to acknowledge that sometimes moments are are can be rough and and yeah. Just the interesting, interesting things that happen that, you know, either good or bad, but just like, oh, that's interesting. Those kinds of moments. And for parents to do the same thing so that they're on a level playing field at that mealtime and sharing meal preparation, get kids doing it. Like I started cooking meals. I started learning how to cook with my grandmother when I was five and we made cornmeal cake or Johnny cake, depending on where you live. But I started cooking when I was 11 because my mom was pregnant with my half-sister and she was bedridden for two months and meals had to be on time, you know, for the men, which my my brothers and my dad. So that's when I started cooking. And that was too much responsibility really for me at that age, but it wasn't one that did me a disservice. So yeah, get kids play. (laughs) One of my best moments is is my cooking with my daughter and she had an island in the middle of the kitchen. And so her oldest son, Mackenzie, was 11 and he was chopping vegetables one place and I was mixing sauces in another place and Megan was stirring on the stove. And then Xavier, who was the ADH kid, was was sort of going through the cupboard and up and around and going around and, and every now and then he'd stop and give us a hand. But he was there too. And it was it was a fun time. And we did a lot of that together. So yeah, get kids involved in the process so that as they get aged they become increasingly responsible and increasingly aware of what makes a healthy meal, get them involved in the shopping and the budgeting and understand what it's, what good food means and how to choose produce. So get them involved in those kinds of chores so that when they become older, when they can be old enough to drive a car, they can go do the shopping. They can do the meal prep. They can help plan the menus. That is going to do them in such great stead if they get off on their own and are living on their own in residence and know how to prepare a quick, healthy meal without wasting a lot of time. Powerful advice and definitely something that a lot of us as parents, we really should be heeding on. It's easy to be able to have those devices around, but it takes a lot of effort to be able to put those away. If you think about effort in the sense that you get connected to those devices, it's almost like you get connect with that dopamine you need that dopamine so if you just put the, the devices away and you'll be able to spend time in the present because the present is all we ever have mm-hmm. you know the future is never given the past is already done so we only ever have the present so as we begin to finish up here i do have one last question for you where can people connect with you to get more help for their students the help that maybe their students need to go back to school or maybe to get the confidence to be able to take that step 
and go back? I can be reached at lynn.tetro at gmail.com. And Tetro is spelled like tea and coffee, T-E-A-T-R-O at gmail.com. And if they connect with me, I have got a brochure or a handout called, is your drop out kid trying again? This is what they need to know. And it's lots of tips as to how students can enter their post-secondary school education and be confident and successful. So if they, they want a copy of that, again, it's lynn.tetro at gmail.com. As someone who has dropped out of college early on, I could definitely say that something like this would have been you know a godsend for me back in the day. So I do think what you're doing is extremely important. And I thank you for sharing your message here with us today. And thank you for doing what you do, because there's not enough focus on those kids who want to be able to take that next step and move forward with their, with their life when there, there's a lot of struggle to move that beyond the current status quo. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I can't do it by myself, but there's a lot of people helping me, and I really appreciate that. And that's where we're here to get your message out and get that support. So thank you for joining us, Salem. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Thank you, Lynn, for sitting down with me and doing what you do to help dropouts get back to their education. And I want to thank you for listening here today. If you've enjoyed this or any other episode and you feel our show deserves a five-star rating or review, I would be grateful if you would take a few minutes out of your day and go to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify and gift us with that review. And that's it for this week's episode. I'll see you next week. Until then, just remember, you're one unwavering action away from a completely different life. To the journey. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you've gained new insight. Don't forget to subscribe, take consistent action, and join us next time on From Surviving to Thriving Podcast. We're going to take on the world.